0: From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Heart disease is the leading cause of death for both men and women in the United States, but heart disease has some symptoms and some risk factors that are unique to women. Today, I'm speaking with a pair of cardiologists about heart disease in women. Welcome to Dr. Amy Tucker and Dr. Teresa Waters, Both are physicians who specialize in the care of patients with heart disease, and Dr. Tucker also serves as chief medical officer at Upstate University Hospital. Thank you both for making yourselves available. Thank you so
1: much, Amber, for having us.
0: Yes, thank you. Well, Dr. Tucker, I'll start by asking you. We've heard about chest pain as a symptom of heart attack. Can you describe for us what a woman may experience? How how do your female patients describe it? So, um,
1: it's interesting, Amber, uh, fully two-thirds of both men and women will experience uh, chest pain with a heart attack. And studies have shown that the type of chest pain that they experience is very similar. It can be pressure in the chest with radiation to the arms or to the jaw, and can be associated with shortness of breath, uh, nausea, or really breaking out in a cold sweat. Now, in addition to that, more women than men do not have the typical symptom of chest pain when they do have a heart attack. And so one of the things that women have to look for in wondering whether or not their symptomatology is heart related are these atypical uh, types of symptoms. So their angina or heart attack can can present more often as uh, heartburn or indigestion. Uh, profound sense of fatigue and they're more likely to experience nausea and vomiting with uh, with a heart attack. Uh, and so these types of things. Dizziness is another 1 uh, are things that women should have their antenna up for uh, that might distinguish them from uh, the majority of other women and men when they have an M.
0: I. Isn't that funny? Because we all hear about chest pain, but you just named off so many other symptoms that, that may indicate this. So, Dr. Waters, there's a belief that women may have a higher pain threshold than men. Is there any truth to that with regard to withstanding chest pain? Yeah, so I actually
2: thought that myself, too, because it's interesting Uh, that women can have children without any pain medication. And to me, I don't think my husband could do that personally. But um, so I actually thought that, so I ended up looking it up, and it appears that um, human studies show that actually men have a higher pain tolerance and threshold than women, which is interesting. Um, When you look further into it, uh, there's... A lot of different reasons for this, they think it's not, uh, known fully yet, but certainly pain, um, and your mood are controlled by the limbic system in your brain. And they've done MRIs, uh, that show that a lot of psychological pain cannot be discriminated from physical pain. Um, so sometimes I wonder if those, uh, psychosocial and sociocultural influences play a role in women and the sense that they have a higher pain threshold or tolerance. Um, For instance, uh, women are are more likely than men to be on chronic pain medications. So I think that that shows in retrospect that women actually come to the doctor and complain more of pain. and i think we're taught though to deal with our pain and in such a way we think that we can handle it and manage it you know we they look a lot into the menstrual cycle and the cramping pain we have there and we take tylenol and motrin and we're we kind of learn to live with our pain Uh, so i think we need to raise awareness um about pain and having it looked at you know they they did a, a tourniquet test study I found in one of the um, science journals where they actually put a tourniquet on men and women Um, and men and women had the same amount of time till they complained of ischemic pain from that test so um, I think that there's a lot of social cultural and psychological things that play a role into this Uh, and again even myself I had to look it up so um, Interesting. I cannot say that women have a higher pain uh, tolerance or threshold than men.
0: Well, I know a lot of women who don't want to make a big fuss over something that turns out to be nothing. Is is there a way to discern whether indigestion is really just indigestion or if it's something that you need to follow up on?
2: Sure. So indigestion is certainly tricky. You can definitely have uh, pain with that typically it starts in the stomach and it can radiate up into your chest. It can go to your jaw, your back. So it does have similar presentation to cardiac and ischemic pain. Uh, indigestion typically can be made worse with laying down or it's positional. It might be after you ate something spicy or had you know, something that didn't agree with your stomach. So I usually tell my patients, I try to ask them those questions to decide, is it that? Indigestion gets better with antacids, so you can try an antacid um, and and see if that gets better. But there's a lot of reasons uh, why indigestion should also be looked at, Um, but it certainly uh, can mimic uh, symptoms that you might see in chest pain because the heart does sit on the stomach. So sometimes uh, if you have the back wall of the heart, you can't really discriminate where that pain is from. Uh, so sometimes it really is hard to tell. I tell my patients a cheap, uh, cheap, poor man's test to diagnose the heart attack at that point is they could drink a glass of cold water. And if it gets better, uh, very temporarily, um, then you neutralize the acid in your stomach potentially. And, uh, of course it'll come back unless you take an antacid and it gets better, but if there's no effect, then uh, it might be your heart for sure. So you could try that, but I never rely on that as, uh, as an indicator belching sometimes makes it better if it's indigestion. So I'd say, ask them about that symptom. Um, and certainly other diseases GI tract related gallbladder, esophageal, spasms, ulcers, all that needs to be evaluated. So any anytime women have any type of pain, even if they think it's indigestion, they really should get it looked at.
0: This is your host, Amber Smith, for Upstate's HealthLink on Air. We're featuring two cardiologists from Upstate Medical University, Dr. Amy Tucker and Dr. Teresa Waters, and we're talking about women and heart disease. Well, Dr. Tucker, what else is unique about heart attack symptoms in women compared with men? So I
1: want to springboard just a little bit on uh, Teresa's comment about the ways that you can um, uh, ask your patients questions that can help you discern between the um the chest pain from a heart attack or the indigestion from a heart attack. Sometimes symptoms uh can be taken in the context of the company they keep. So also those other things like the uh radiation down the arms or a profound sense of shortness of breath or or sweatiness should alert a woman, whether it's a a, a problem with the abdominal uh issue or with a heart attack, that it does need to be, it needs to be looked at. Um I think another thing that is uh interesting in terms of the chest pain in women, whether it's angina or or whether it's uh, a full blown heart attack, is that uh with with women it can be more uh often precipitated with emotional stress or anxiety and that is a a really important uh, feature of women's angina that needs to be taken into account. We often ask people if they get Uh, chest pain when they walk or when they do things, uh, for women, to a greater extent than for men, it's also important to get a feel for emotional triggers of of chest pain. And um, one of the things that does happen with women when they experience symptoms, to your point about delaying care, regardless of whether a woman is having typical or atypical symptoms of a heart attack, they tend to present to the hospital later. And it is sometimes, I think, uh, not wanting to bother people, as you, as you stressed. But also, I think that despite all of the campaigning we've done about the risk that women have for heart disease, there's still this idea that uh, heart disease is really a man's disease. And so women don't have their antenna up To be alert for those symptoms and to think about a heart attack as the cause. So I think an important thing to notice about statistics in heart disease is that between 1987 and 2017, every single one of those years in the United States, more women died than men did from heart disease. Only about 2017, after all the efforts that have been put in, which have had significant impact on the risk of a heart attack in both men and women, did we see those uh, that gap start to narrow? And now it's, it's similar between women and men, heart disease, and in this country is still the leading cause of death.
0: Do we know why symptoms are different in women, Dr. Waters? Sure, so,
2: you know, Cardiovascular disease can look different in women and that's what makes it harder to spot for sure. Uh, And again, like Dr. Tucker said, women are more likely uh, than men to present later. They have a misdiagnosis and delayed diagnosis. But again, the number of deaths in, in women were higher in the past. So usually women Chest pain is a common symptom for them. However, they also have other symptoms. Uh, they might have fatigue. Uh, they might have sweating or diaphoresis, nausea, shortness of breath. Um, you know, a lot of times we write those symptoms off. Women will say, Oh, I'm fatigued. I'm burning the candle at both ends. I'm a mom. I have a job. I'm doing multiple things. Now I'm, I'm uh, homeschooling my kids virtually, too, on top of all that. So we. Uh, you know, we kind of brush our symptoms of fatigue off. Maybe women are going through menopause, they're having hot flashes. So they think that hot uh, night sweats or sweating and diaphoresis uh, are common for them. And they kind of brush that off. Nausea, they might think it's their stomach, as we already talked about, and uh, shortness of breath. A lot of women uh, that I see say, Oh, I'm getting a little bit of shortness of breath, but it's just because I'm getting older. So there's this misconception that when you get older, you're just going to get short of breath. And I, you know, I'm constantly saying, No, that's not necessarily, you know, based on your age, you know. Um, So I think that there's a lot of misconceptions out there about uh, these. Other fine uh, these other symptoms that women have, and we definitely need to continue to raise awareness. You know, um, they did uh, the Virgo trial looked at young women, uh, 18 to 55 years old with heart attacks, and they classified them with uh, heart attack with the normal coronary artery disease blockage that you can see in a vessel in a heart cath, and blockages less than 50 percent or plaques, and they called it this uh, microvascular. Uh, or what we call basically non obstructive coronary artery disease, microvascular ischemia from non obstructive coronary artery disease. So it is, you know, we do women do have different causes, uh, for. For cardiovascular disease, um, and so we might be less likely to have the traditional risk factors than uh men do in this virgo trial Uh, and you know other things can cause uh, chest pain in women so in that minoka trial they found like spasming of the artery uh, or spontaneously dissecting the artery could be a cause um so there are certainly differences uh in the way women present with heart disease and i think that there's different causes and different reasons for that. And we still have a lot to learn about that.
0: Well, Dr. Tucker, let me ask you in general, do women's hearts differ from men's? Are they generally smaller? Do they beat faster or
1: slower? So yes, actually women are not smaller men. And up until about 1996, When the wise investigations started to begin to tell us more about how women differ from men, uh, women weren't really included in the clinical trials very frequently. And it was assumed that what was true for men is also true for women. And now we know that that is just simply not true. Um, When adjusted for body size, women do have smaller hearts. They tend to have higher heart rates, the chambers are smaller, and the walls are thinner. And when they, res- when they have a stress response, the-, the women tend to elevate their heart rate more to try to pump more blood, because with each heartbeat, uh, a woman pumps out about 10% less blood than a man would uh, in- during a heartbeat. But one of the most uh, fascinating changes or differences between men and women is something that Dr. Waters alluded to a few minutes ago. And that is that the blockages in the coronary arteries, uh, which are the arteries that supply the heart with blood, uh, do not uh, form disease in the same way. So it is um, it's interesting. You know, most heart attacks are when cholesterol builds up in a vessel wall, and then something disrupts that little mountain or mound of of cholesterol, and it explodes, and then you form a clot over the top of it to to contain it, which blocks the blood vessel, and then you don't get uh, blood to that part of the heart. Well, elderly women and men tend to deposit that cholesterol in little mountains and hills that will block an artery in little discrete places, Uh, Women who are younger, and it's a growing population of people with coronary disease who are younger, who are women, tend to lay those cholesterol deposits all along the course of the vessel. And instead of having explosions, they just have erosions. And so the top of it may erode off, you may form a clot. Uh, You get a heart attack, but the clot dissolves on its own through the body's mechanisms. And then when you get a catheterization or a stress test, there's no abnormality seen. And so when you have an, an explosion on a lump of cholesterol, you can go in and put a stent in and open it back up. But when you have a problem that's along the entire course of your coronary artery, you can't do that. So it is much more important for women to really be mindful of prevention as a way to impact their risk of heart disease. And you know, you might think, oh, with a little erosion, the heart attacks certainly aren't going to cause as much disability or heart failure or downstream uh, consequences, but that's really not true. Women do not fare as well as men do after a heart attack. They have more heart failure, uh, more functional disability, and higher rates of death. So, coronary disease in women is harder to diagnose and it's harder to treat, which really emphasizes the need for prevention.
0: We'll talk more about women and heart disease after this short break. Upstate's HealthLink on Air is back with Dr. Amy Tucker and Dr. Teresa Waters. They are two cardiologists at Upstate Medical University, and we're talking about heart disease in women. Dr. Tucker, I've read that 1 in 5 deaths in women is attributable to heart disease. Do you know how many of those deaths are because of a fatal heart attack? And what is the difference between a heart attack and a cardiac arrest? So,
1: um, a heart attack is when the blood supply to the heart muscle is blocked in 1 area or more of the heart. Uh, And it causes the chest pain and then the muscle beyond that blockage. If not, if the blockage is not relieved, can die. A cardiac arrest is when the heart becomes irritable for whatever reason. A lot of times a heart attack for the reason, and it goes out of rhythm and the rhythm of the heart stops and the heart stops beating. Uh, So we call that sudden cardiac death. And that is one way that people can die with. Uh, with a heart attack. Now, the good news for women is their rates of the sudden cardiac death are, while significant, maybe 30%, are are still lower than men's. However, that does not mean they're not going to die from that heart attack. There are a number of other complications that occur during hospitalization, during treatment, during intervention, and after that that make it more likely that a woman will die before leaving the hospital after a heart attack than will a man.
0: Wow, well, Dr. Waters, um, we've talked about heart attacks, but are there other heart diseases that can be emergencies that women need to be aware of?
2: Yes, definitely. Um, So a couple that come to mind uh, would be aortic dissection for one. heart failure symptoms valvular heart disease there's certainly other arrhythmias in the heart that could be uh, serious and life-threatening uh, high blood pressure could become an emergency you could have malignant hypertension uh, and not necessarily the heart but stroke is also a big uh, a big vascular problem
0: let me ask you up to, uh, to back up a little bit aortic dissection what what is that and how would we be aware of it
2: Sure, aortic dissection is a highly lethal cardiovascular emergency. Basically, um, there's the aorta is the large artery that comes out of the heart that supplies the blood to the brain and the rest of the body. And, uh, an aortic dissection is when you have a split in the layers of the aorta, basically, and then the blood kind of surges in between those layers um and that can be very dangerous uh it can start anywhere in the ascending aorta when it comes out of the heart and wrap around the arch as it comes down uh, to the descending aorta and so there's different types of aortic dissections um and uh so that's certainly an emergency chest pain uh that needs to be looked at is that
0: something that affects women more than men So actually, um,
2: there's very few data on gender related differences in this. Uh, however, um, I would say that, uh, the data in 2004 that looked at, um, this showed that, uh, women, were, uh, let's see, women were older and they presented later when they had a dissection. Um, So whereas men might have chest pain and back pain, women came in with altered mental status. The difference in time was about four hours. Uh, So women who came in, uh, even that uh, short amount of delay, if you will, they had other comorbidities. They were likely to be hypotensive. They had fluid around their heart called tamponade. Um, And so, Basically um, in hospital complications were greater in women, probably because of their later presentation, Uh, women were also treated differently. They were more likely to be managed uh, conservatively instead of going right towards surgery. So um, there was really no gender difference in genetic predisposition they found, Um, but uh, certainly there are certain things that can make somebody more prone to a dissection that it's not related to gender, but um, connective tissue diseases like Marfan's. Uh, Women are more likely to bicuspid aortic valves and that sometimes puts women at a greater risk. Uh, So raising awareness about, uh, again, chest pain and cardiovascular disease in women and getting your symptoms looked at and evaluated and routine screening is so
0: important. And Dr. Tucker, what about arrhythmias or changes in the rhythm of the heart? What conditions are you more likely to see in women than men? Well, you know, one of the conditions that is uh, most feared
1: among among um, women and men alike is a stroke. And the most common sort of a heart arrhythmia that predisposes people to stroke is atrial fibrillation, which affects a significant number uh, of both sexes. And it increases as, as one gets older. So... Um, while women may not experience more atrial fibrillation than men do, it is deadlier in women. And it is, uh, women are more likely to have a stroke with atrial fibrillation and to become disabled. Uh, so despite that, it, it's um, less common for those women to be treated with the very protective blood thinning medications that can help prevent a stroke. And this is for a variety of reasons. It's not that physicians don't recognize the the risk in women, but women are also more prone to bleeding on those blood thinners. So it can become a very tricky situation. So atrial fibrillation is one of the major ones for which there are uh, some differences uh, between men and women and just how well they fare. Uh, One of the other, Um, issues to raise around sex-specific arrhythmia issues is that lethal or dangerous arrhythmias from the bottom part of the heart, ventricular tachycardias and other things like that are often treated with uh, an implantable shocking pacemaker called an ICD. And uh, studies have shown that if men and women both present with these um, concerning arrhythmias, that women are less likely to get the device. And so there are clearly some differences, not only in the types of rhythm problems and the way that they manifest, but also in the way that they're treated. Uh, There are a series of different types of genetic arrhythmias that are more common in one sex or the other. Uh, and so there's a variety of different ones, and they can sort themselves out between the sexes in, in different ways. But I would say that uh, of the garden variety, arrhythmias, that afib is the one that's probably of most common concern, and uh, that women are getting less aggressive treatment with the blood thinners can make such a big difference.
0: What about peripheral artery disease? Since women may have smaller vessels than men, do they have more of an issue supplying adequate blood to the arms and legs? Uh, predominantly the legs, yes. They're, they do
1: have smaller vessels and they're more likely to develop blockages in those leg vessels, uh, peripheral artery disease or PAD uh, than men are. The Really the most important risk factors for developing uh, this PAD are smoking. It really increases your risk by about fourfold. Uh, And diabetes, which doubles the risk Uh, women are less likely to experience symptoms early on when they develop. Peripheral artery disease, which means they present later and by the time they present, often they've had significantly more functional decline are and are at greater risk when they're treated interventionally for a poor outcome. So, very, very important stop smoking. Make sure your diabetes is controlled. And the other thing, the really important thing is walk, 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 because what studies have shown is that walking stimulates nature's natural bypasses to blockages. So as you are walking, you are developing natural collaterals around the blockages in your legs in many cases,
0: and that can be limb sparing. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm speaking with Dr. Amy Tucker and Dr. Teresa Waters, both of whom are cardiologists at Upstate. Now, Dr. Waters, are women more likely than men to be born with a heart defect? So,
2: you know, most severe congenital heart disease is less prevalent in girls, but when they do have it, it's more, uh, they have a higher surgical mortality rate. Um, PFO is a common congenital abnormality. That's uh, when the top two chambers of the heart uh, in utero, there uh, is a hole between those to help oxygenate the blood while you're in your mom's belly, if you will, and that usually closes. But in about 30% of the cases, the PFO remains open. So people are left with a tiny hole in the top two chambers of their heart. It's about 30% in men and women. Um, And then uh, in general, valvular heart disease bicuspid valve, which is the uh, aortic valve. There's uh, four valves in the heart. The aortic valve is the one that comes out of the bottom left ventricle of the heart into the aorta. Um, it usually has three leaflets, but um, sometimes you can be born with two leaflets and that's more common in women. So um, I guess some uh, some things are and some things are not.
0: Uh. Do more women end up needing heart valve repair um, in their later years? Uh,
2: yeah, so valvular heart disease is interesting. Uh typically the natural history and natural course is that um valvular heart disease comes with age. Now uh, that's the case now. Back in the day with rheumatic heart disease other things played a role, but typically today as you get older in age and wisdom, your valves get calcified and they leak. Um now the way I like to envision it is our valves used to outlive us, but now we're living longer, our life expectancy is longer. So they will likely become calcified and leak and might need to be fixed. Um, And I don't know of any uh, study that shows that's more likely in women to happen. I think it's more age related because of the natural history and progression. Certainly risk factors also play a role, regular cardiovascular disease risk factors um, play a role for that. And the mechanism and whether medications and stuff that's still on, I guess, controversial, whether other medicines prevent uh, the progression of valvular heart disease at this time.
0: Well, what about some other diseases that develop over time, cardiomyopathy and heart failure? Are those conditions that typically affect more women than men?
2: So, you know, there's a lot of different risk factors for those things. So it's really, uh, it's really hard to say, I guess it would depend on your risk factors. Um, high blood pressure, diabetes, alcohol is a big factor. Um, so I think that a lot of things go into that role. And I am not aware of any uh, gender specific study looking at that.
0: We have to take a quick break, but Upstate's HealthLink air will be back shortly with more about heart disease in women. Welcome back to HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with two cardiologists from Upstate University Hospital, Dr. Teresa Waters and Dr. Amy Tucker, who also serves as the hospital's chief medical officer. Our topic is heart disease in women. We've talked a lot about symptoms and how heart disease may be different for women compared with men. Now let's shift a little and talk about risk and prevention. Dr. Tucker, I'd like to ask you about heart disease risk factors. If I understand correctly, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, obesity, those affect both men and women. Uh, But are there other factors that play a bigger role in the development of heart disease specifically for women? Yes, indeed there are. And interestingly, it's not
1: just the uh, women specific risk factors, but those traditional risk factors that you mentioned do not affect Women and men, in just to a similar extent. For example, uh, tobacco will increase a woman's uh, risk of an MI by about fivefold, but a man's only two and a half fold. Similarly, diabetes is twofold more impactful in women than in men, uh, hypertension, a little bit more. Uh, of, a, of a predictor in women than men. Cholesterol is about the same in both uh, sexes, mm-hmm. except for triglycerides. So for women, a high triglyceride level is, um, is more dangerous than it would be uh, for a man. Uh, and obesity is also a major risk factor, which really impacts women more, more unfavorably than men. A woman who's obese, experiences her first MI about 11 years before a woman who's not. And then finally, family history has more impact in women uh, than it does in men. Now, in addition to those traditional risk factors that just have a different impact between the sexes, there are some things that are specific to women. Uh, One of those things is preeclampsia. And any hypertension or high blood pressure related diseases of pregnancy, which do that does increase your risk of heart disease and diabetes down down the line. Uh, Likewise, gestational diabetes. So if you have problems controlling your blood sugar while you're pregnant, it has a major impact. There are certain other conditions like polycystic ovary disease. Uh, and some of the other uh, endocrinopathies that can inf- in fact uh, impact a woman's risk for heart disease uh, that, that men uh, do, not, uh, do not get. One of the uh, things I'd like to point out uh, that is acquired and not kind of a, um, a, just a, um, a, a genetic or lifestyle related issue is women who have had radiation for breast cancer are also more likely to develop coronary disease because of the impact of the radiation on the coronary arteries. And one of the other interesting things that people really need to take note of is that baby weight, the weight you keep on after you have a baby, that will increase your risk as well. Uh, And finally, inflammation is more impactful in many conditions than in women than in men. If you do a test of inflammation, like a CRP test or or other tests like that, it tends to be more predictive in women than in men. So women with rheumatoid arthritis and other things, uh, their their risk goes up and has
0: to be taken into account when you're assessing someone's risk. So all of these things you listed, is it because of are just physiological differences or hormonal differences? Do we know why this is different for women?
1: I think it's com. I think it's a combination. I think that there are um, hormonal differences for sure because we know that um, after uh, the menopausal change, risk changes and more parallels the the risk of men. It's because of all of those um, pregnancy and reproductive. Uh, uniquenesses that we have uh, earlier on that we accumulate some risk. And then uh, some of it is uh, just behavioral, right? Um, Women are less likely to take care of themselves. They're much more likely to take a family member or a child to a physician than they are themselves. So women who have hypertension and high cholesterol and diabetes are less likely to control it than, than men are. Uh, And then also, uh, for a variety of reasons, women can tend to be less active than men and have more problem with obesity. Uh, So uh, I think that it is multifactorial.
0: Well, Dr. Waters, uh, what about mental stress and depression? Do they affect more women than men? And if so, what impact would that have on heart disease? Yeah, so women are
2: more likely to have a heart attack from stress than men. We know that so, you know, we carry our emotions in various ways. Some women uh, get stressed. They're emotional. They get anxious um, and they have an upset stomach and they're running to the bathroom. Some women have chest pain. Uh, And so, you know, you can have heart attacks from stress, uh, which can be hormonal related. Uh, So certainly. uh, Stress is more likely to, con- to cause a heart attack in a woman than a man. And so it's an important thing to, you know, gauge your stress level, learn how to deal with it in healthy ways. Exercising releases positive endorphins, meditation helps with that. Um, certainly, again, it stems back to what Dr. Tucker was saying about emotional triggers for heart disease. It's important. Um, we know that that plays a role.
0: This is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm speaking with two cardiologists, Dr. Amy Tucker and Dr. Teresa Waters, about women and heart disease. In terms of lifestyle, why would smoking be more of a concern in women than in men? And why would inactivity be a bigger sure. risk factor for women?
2: Certainly, it could be um, multifactorial again, like Dr. Tucker was saying, Uh, certainly there's differences in our anatomy. There's differences in the causes of heart disease, Uh, different risk factors affect women differently. Hormonal changes um, uh, play a role. You know, we really didn't talk much about menopause, um, but heart disease uh, in women over 65, um, they're higher risk because of decreased estrogen levels. increase fibrinogen levels and things that can cl- cause more clotting, uh, and damaged blood vessels easier, uh, with that. So I think it's multifactorial. Lots of things playing a role, uh, anatomy, hormonal changes, uh. Those kinds of things uh, and women honestly are probably less likely to. Uh, get up and walk and move more and exercise. We're busy, you know, in reality. I mean, that's the truth for me. It's hard to put myself 1st, you know, when you have a job and you have kids and that it's hard to make me time. And so I think a lot of that also plays a role, you know, you have to find something you like to do, uh, to be active and to lose weight. That works for you find something that fits into your lifestyle. Um, so I think in general, if you aim for all those things, it can help.
0: And you brought up menopause. Um, what role does menopause play in terms of risk? Does a woman have a higher risk of heart disease after menopause?
2: Yes, they do, because est- we think it's because their estrogen levels um, decrease at that time. And again, that plays a role in your risk for clotting, damage to the vessels. Uh, so women might present later with these obstructive coronary diseases. Uh, but for that reason. So, you know, we thought that estrogen is probably protective uh, and for a while they gave hormone replacement therapy for that, but now that's uh, we don't use that and we do not recommend that to prevent uh, heart disease in women as a treatment at this time, but um, certainly hormones play a role in
0: that. Well, Dr. Tucker, let me ask what can, what can women do to reduce their risk of heart disease? I mean, you've already kind of touched on some things about smoking, but but what are some of the other things, concrete things we can do that'll make a difference? So, um, you know, the bad news about
1: heart disease in women is it's harder to diagnose, it's harder to treat, and it's deadlier. The good news is that studies have shown that if you adopt five heart healthy habits, you can reduce your risk of heart disease by 80 to 90%. And those things are eat a healthy diet, exercise, keep a healthy body weight, stop smoking if you smoke, and if you choose to drink, do so in moderation, which for a woman means no more than one alcoholic drink per day. And what what we know about those habits is that they stack. Healthy habits add up. They add on one another to reduce risk. So a Mediterranean diet, Really impacts your risk of cardiovascular disease. Uh, walking and exercising significantly increases your um, your, li- your long the, the length of your life. So and reduces your risk of having a heart attack. And what we, we we also know about the fitness level is that with each increment in your fitness level, you derive extra benefit but you get a lot of that benefit in the early parts of your fitness. So you don't have to invest a lot to get a lot. Uh, Every step counts. When when women were studied in terms of the impact of exercise on their heart health, they didn't find a lower limit. So every time you add activity to your your day, whether it's 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, uh, you're gonna get a benefit. So if you can only do five minutes, you should you should do it. Uh, the more you add, the better off it is. So uh, that's what I would really encourage women to do: is adopt those healthy habits. Lifestyle is medicine, and you can really reduce your risk by eighty to ninety percent. And so the the diet, the exercise, and then making sure you control your weight. Uh, and then, of course, stopping stopping tobacco of any sort is is critical. So I think that that is the good news. Prevention uh, reigns supreme in the world of women's heart disease, and it's something that should really be onboarded.
0: Now, there's a belief that drinking red wine regularly can help reduce the risk of heart disease. Is this true in general, and or and does it apply to women? That's an interesting
1: question. Uh, studies have shown that there is an association between those people who drink in moderation and a reduction in heart disease. Uh, it has not been definitively proven that drinking red wine will in fact reduce your risk. So we, what, what we recommend is, will it reduce your, your risk? We don't know that it's causal. We know that there's an association. And so my recommendations to patients are don't go out and start drinking if, if you don't already in order to prevent heart disease. And if you do drink, be sure you do it in moderation because we know that more is not better when it comes to alcohol. More than a moderate amount of alcohol is damaging to the heart, to the blood vessels, to the blood pressure to all sorts of things. So I don't recommend that people begin to drink red wine to improve their heart health.
0: But if they do drink wine, would red be a better choice than white? Um,
1: You know, there there are studies that demonstrate that different types of alcohol may also be associated with a reduction as long as it's in moderation. The theory about red wine is that the the resveratols in the red wine have an antioxidant effect. But the amount that you would have to consume to really have that antioxidant effect um, probably should not be ingested in an alcoholic form.
0: And that resveratrol is from you you could get that from eating red grapes, right? Yeah.
1: And I also wouldn't necessarily recommend that you eat enough red grapes to uh, to get enough to have a significant antioxidant effect, because
0: uh, I think you'd be consuming quite a bit. Well, now what about taking an aspirin as a preventive, and I think things have gone back and forth on this over the years, but is this something that might be helpful? For people who have had a heart attack,
1: aspirin is really, really beneficial in helping prevent another heart attack. So anybody who's had a heart attack should continue their aspirin unless they have a contraindication and have discussed it with their doctor. For people who have never had a heart attack, we used to think that among those at higher risk, adding an aspirin would help them too, kind of makes sense. But recent studies in 2018 in the New England Journal of Medicine, a series of studies demonstrated that the benefit might not be as high as we thought, and there is more risk of bleeding than we thought. So right now, for most people, adding an additional aspirin if you have not had a heart attack is not something we recommend. There are people of such high risk that their physicians may recommend an aspirin. And that's a conversation really between a patient and their physician who knows their risk and has thoughtfully considered uh, and has discussed with them the risks and benefits.
0: Well, before we wrap up, I wanted to ask each of you, um, getting back to the idea of a heart-healthy diet, can each of you sort of list for me some of your favorite heart-healthy foods or that you, that you recommend? Le- um, Dr. Tucker, I'll start with you.
1: Leafy greens are, are among my favorites, and leafy greens have a huge impact
0: on heart health. All right. And Dr. Waters, do you have a favorite?
2: Sure. I I uh, second Dr. Tucker. I love very interesting salads, uh, but I like to add fruits and proteins and uh, lean meats to that as well. Um, I also love fish. I love fish. Um, so to me, that's, uh, that's one thing I like to mm-hmm. eat. They're all on the Mediterranean
0: diet. Right. You mentioned Mediterranean diet. I guess we should be specific about that. That's a diet that's rich in vegetables. And, and tell me more about that. Dr. Waters?
2: So, yeah, so the Mediterranean and the DASH diets, DASH is the low salt diet. Those two diets do reduce your risk for heart attack uh, and death and dying and stroke. And we know that it's been studied. So basically low salt, uh, less than 2,400 milligrams in a day, and then fresh fruits and vegetables, lean meats, proteins, um, and extra virgin olive oil to, to name a few. So mainly that's that's what we recommend. Whole grains as well is also on that.
0: Well, this has been some important information about women and heart disease. Thank you so much to Dr. Amy Tucker and Dr. Teresa Waters, both cardiologists at Upstate University Hospital, where Dr. Tucker also serves as chief medical officer. I'm your HealthLink host, Amber Smith, thanking you for tuning in.